This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And very pleasant good morning, everybody. As always, good to be back with you. This is the Marlins Rewind. And last night at Lone Depot Park, the Marlins and the Nationals played game two of their three-game weekend series. The potential National League Cy Young Award winner, Sandy Alcantara, went opposite of the veteran right-hander, Eric Fetty. And with a recap, as always, here is Glenn Geffner. Marlins four, Nationals one in the latest edition of the Sandy Alcantara Show. Sandy... Dazzling again tonight as he earns his 14th victory of the season. Eight innings, three hits, one run. He walked one, struck out 11, 99 pitches, 75 strikes. Another Cy Young statement by Sandy Alcantara, who lowers his season ERA to 2.32, throwing 99 pitches, 75 strikes, and getting stronger. As the night went on, he's gotten stronger as the season has gone on. It's been a recurring theme for Alcantara this year in one of the greatest seasons any Marlins pitcher's ever had. And he appears headed to the first Cy Young Award in this franchise's 30-year National League history. Now, things didn't start well for Sandy in inning number one. He got the first two outs, but then faced Joey Manessis. Here's Joey Manessis, two outs, nobody on. First ball swinging, fly ball to right, sending Anderson back onto the track near the wall, and Manessis has hit one out to make it 1-0 Washington. That ball just kept on carrying. Joey Manessis the other way for his 11th home run, and the Nats take the first inning lead. But the Marlins came right back in their half of the first against Eric Fetty with one out. Brian Anderson a single, Garrett Cooper a walk. A Charles LeBlanc ground ball to second base, moved the runners to second and third, and with two outs and two strikes, the Marlins needed a big hit from J.J. Blade. The 2-2, swing and a miss, he got him. Well, we don't have the highlight we were looking for there. J.J. Blade, though, with a two-run single into right center field. That scored Anderson and Cooper. Marlins had a 2-1 lead. They would not relinquish in this game. Now, Sandy in the second walked Alex Call to lead off on four pitches. It was the only walk he issued all night. C.J. Abrams then bunted for a single, putting runners at fifth. Victor Robles popped to the first baseman, so Sandy was out of the second. And Sandy would allow, as it would turn out, only two more base runners in this game. Alex Call single with two outs in the fourth inning, and Call was hit by a pitch with one out in the seventh. Meanwhile, the Marlins would extend their lead in the fourth, leading off against Fetty, Brian De La Cruz. Well, Brian De La Cruz hit a home run, his 11th of the season. That made it a 3-1 to one game at that point. Marlins would add to their lead in the sixth inning with two outs and nobody on. De La Cruz a single, his third hit of the game. Jacob Stallings a single. Then Miguel Rojas an RBI double. That brought De La Cruz home, made it a 4-1 to one game. And at that point, the only question really was could Sandy finish what he started here tonight? He got on a great roll through the end of the sixth inning he retired seven straight and 14 of 15 he got the first out in the seventh before hitting Alex Call but got the last two outs in the seventh in the eighth inning having thrown 85 pitches through seven he struck out Victor Robles for the first out he struck out Riley Adams for the second out 
It was back to the top of the order, and Lane Thomas went down swinging. It was Sandy's 11th strikeout of the night, number 199 on the season, and 220 and two-thirds innings for Alcantara, and it would be the last pitch Sandy threw here tonight. 99 pitches, 75 strikes, over eight tremendous innings, three hits in a run. He walked one, struck out the 11. Dylan Floral came on. In the ninth inning, took care of business. Got Luis Garcia to bounce to second. Joey Manessis to ground out the first. And Luke Voigt caught looking at strike three. That's how this one ends. The Marlins beat the Nationals 4-1 to in Sandy Alcantara's 14th victory of this 2022 season. For Miami, four runs, ten hits, no errors, six left. For the Nationals, one run, three hits, no errors. They left three. Alcantara, the winner, 14-8. and Lowers his ERA to 2.32. Eric Fetty, the loser, 6-11 for Dylan Floro, his seventh save in 10 tries. Time of the ball game, two hours, 18 minutes. We were flying here at the ballpark tonight. This is the third shortest game the Marlins have played this year. And guess who started the shortest and the second shortest? Yeah, Sandy. A 3-0 win in 2-09 against the Reds back on August 3rd. A 2-1 win in 2-17 against the Dodgers on August 27th. A 4-1 win in 2 hours, 18 minutes against the Nationals here tonight. The Marlins with the victory, now 3-2 and two on the homestand. They have won back-to-back games to start this series. It's just the fifth time they've won two in a row since the All-Star break. For the Marlins, their first series win since capturing two of three in Oakland, August 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, exactly a month ago. They had been 0-8-1 in their last nine series, eight series losses, and the one split in the doubleheader against the Texas Rangers a couple of Monday afternoons ago here at Lone Depot Park. For the Marlins, if you go back to the series before the All-Star break, a sweep at the hands of the Phillies here in Miami, before this series, they had been 3-16-2 in their last 21 series. Their only series wins since that last series before the break, 2-3 of at Pittsburgh, July 22nd through the 24th. Two of three at home against the Padres, August 15th, 16th, and 17th. And those two of three in Oakland last month, August 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Again for Miami now, 16 or 15 wins on the season against the Nationals. 15-3 and three against the Nats with one game to go. It matches the most wins the Marlins have ever had against a single opponent in a season. They were 15-4 and four against the Mets in 2004. It matches the Dodgers with 15 wins against a single opponent. The only other team that's done it here in Major League Baseball in 2022, the Dodgers 15-4 against the Giants. They're done with San Francisco. Marlins are 15-3 against the Nationals with one to play still here tomorrow in the homestand finale. Edward Cabrera is going to pitch for Miami, looking to go to 7-3 and in the year, and he'll match up with the former Marlin right-hander Ronnie Ball Sanchez, who the Marlins beat, who Sandy beat in Washington just last Sunday. The Marlins and Nation working together to strike out cancer in our community. Every time Marlins pitcher records a strikeout this season, $25 be donated to Nation's Drive-Pink Initiative to support cancer research. Tonight, a total of 12 strikeouts, 11 for Sandy, one by Dylan Floro. That means $300 from tonight's ball game. And for the season now, with 1,342 strikeouts by the staff, $33,550 from the Marlins Foundation to Nation's Drive-Pink initiative what a night at the ballpark for the marlins they beat the nationals four to one on the strength of 10 hits how about the night for brian de la cruz a triple shy of the cycle could have tried for it late finished his night four for four with a couple of runs scored 
and an RBI De La Cruz, his 11th homer of the season. Sandy Alcantara, eight marvelous innings on the mound. Uh, plenty of folks to hear from. Let's hear from the skipper, Don Mattingly, afterwards. Well, Donnie, we talked about it before the game. You know, we've seen how Sandy responds after a tough one. You wanted to see, okay, opposite end, how do you respond after a good one? What did you think of the way he performed tonight? Obviously, after the first couple, a little rough early, I thought. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you hit that gear in the fourth. It seemed like it just kind of got started cruising after that. So, obviously, really good. Stuff was good again tonight. After that eighth inning, pretty easy decision to bring him out, especially knowing you do want to maybe try and get him two more starts this season. Yeah, that's one of those. We piled up enough innings on him that to let him go to if he has any kind of struggle, it's going to be hard to take him out. 110, 12, 15, whatever that ends up being. And it doesn't seem to make any sense for the club where we're at right now. He did his job. We got a three-run lead. If we can't hold it, then. One thing we've seen lately, more offense early on in the ball game tonight, you know, especially after Sandy gives up that home run in the first. What did you think the way the guys responded to get him that lead right back in the bottom of the first? No, obviously good. Um, you know, Andy gets on, Coop walks. I know we move him. Uh, Chuck moves him, and really the biggest hit, one of the biggest hits in the game it is, is Bladé's hit because it gets us the lead back. It gets kind of keeps gets the momentum back in our dugout other than, you know, their side where you give them hope against Sandy where they throw some zeros early. They start to try to tack on one or, you know, one here and one there. Uh, so I thought that hit was huge. And then we were able to keep tacking on. Dale's homer. Uh, yeah, just kind of Miggy's hit. So kind of we just kept going enough to keep making making the game feel better as we went along. How did Sandy take being told he wasn't allowed for the ninth? He was actually okay. He asked me how many he had. I told him he had ninety nine, and he was like, he didn't he didn't really fight me. Uh, I think he knows where he's at in the season. He knows he's got a ton of innings. Um, yeah, it really wasn't. Yeah, it really wasn't that hard. Was it? Uh- I guess when Floro goes out there in the ninth and the fans realize that they kind of, I guess, express their, their, is it almost refreshing, though, that they know kind of, like, what Sandy's doing and how rare, you know, that... Yeah, I don't know if it's refreshing, you know... Well, they're probably booing me more than they're booing flow, (laughs) which (laughs) it comes out on flow, so it's not a great feeling probably when you're coming into the game. But, you know, I sit there and, like, same people that boo you are the ones that blame you if Sandy goes out and why you let him go at 100 when he's got all these innings, right? So you really can't win in that situation. Uh, but, you know, I'm always going to err on the side of taking care of the player, even though he's still going to have a ton of innings. Um, still going to err on the side of the, the player and be careful. Dela Cruz, you've mentioned whether it's, I don't want to say just him, but any hitter, like you're not necessarily going trying for a home runs or power, but just – to see kind of the power element of his game, because last year it seemed almost a little bit more of the contact, but this part that's showing up of late. Yeah, I mean, he's he's scored some balls, and, you know, obviously right center, dead center, those, this is not an easy ballpark. And, you know, he's really a little unlucky in the the ball he hits in the second. If that hits the wall, we probably get another run there. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's swinging the bat really well. Since he's came back, it seems like he's – back to the middle of the field and just letting, you know, with that kind of thinking and then letting his swing work from there. It doesn't matter where it goes, but at least the thought process seems to be, you know, it seems like Marcus and, and Gonzo have did a really nice job of getting him into the middle of the field again. That ball on the eighth by Dale, I think the one that went down the left field line, 
Did you think maybe coming off the box he had the triple in him? Well, I knew he was – you could tell the way he was running. He yeah. was thinking about it, and everybody knew it. Uh, but that – it's a tough corner. If it's the opposite corner, probably a longer throw, different. Uh, and it's almost got to get stuck in a little bit of a rattle down in that corner uh, for that to get to a triple. But, yeah, yeah. once it got – once the guy came out clean, it's – Yeah. you got to stop. Uh, tomorrow, uh, if we don't talk to you for, for Edward Cabrera, uh, I know he had that start in Oakland where he went deep, but is that really the biggest thing you want to see from Edward, especially considering just how well he's throwing the ball? Maybe just try and work a little bit deeper in the ball games so you yeah. the way that he's been. No, we're fine. I mean, I think we want Edward to keep building, but it, it just depends. He's got to throw strikes early. Uh, last outing, he didn't throw a lot of strikes with his fastball. Had the little blister thing. So uh, we'll see how that holds up. Uh, but more than anything, it's like you just want to see him just be consistent, and he has been. Um, the the length could come. He's got the pitches to be able to do it. He's got the weapons to be able to get through lineups multiple times just because of his pitch mix. So, uh, I mean, still a young guy, just learning. Uh, he's having a good year, so just keep building on that. Okay, that was Marlins manager Don Mattingly after the Marlins 4-1 to win over the Nationals last night. Uh, let's hear from the backstop, Jacob Stallings, who caught up with Kelly Sacco afterwards. Thanks, Glenn. Jacob, a couple more hits for you tonight. You've been hitting 290 since the All-Star break. What's been the biggest difference for you in the second half? Um, I guess just kind of getting back to who I've always been and um, having a better approach, probably being in a better position to hit. And, with more success comes more confidence, so just more confidence. So, um, yeah, it's been good. Another fantastic start by Sandy here tonight. What's impressed you most about what he's been able to do this season? I mean, just, I mean, the amount of innings he's thrown. And, I mean, he can get you out early in the count. He can strike you out. I mean, at 11, I think, tonight. And I don't think he got his first one until the third or fourth inning. So it's like... He can kind of get you out so many different ways, and um, it's just special. What he's doing this year is special. Um, I mean, I didn't even really think he was that good until like the third or fourth inning today, and he just started striking everybody out. So it was uh, pretty special. <laughs> Jacob, you've played a big role in that as well, catching every single one of his starts. How much have you enjoyed working with him and being a part of it? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's certainly been, uh, you know, kind of a – prideful thing for me I mean just what he's done it's been such an honor to be back there with him the whole time and um, it's just been really cool Um, it's been really cool yeah thanks so much Jacob back to you Glenn Okay, Jacob Stallings with Kelly Sacco after the Marlins 4-1 to win last night. And as we wrap things up, let's hear from the man himself. Sandy Alcantara, eight terrific innings, once again collected his 14th win of the season. Sandy, we talked a couple days ago. You said you weren't really going to deviate much from your game plan against the Nationals as compared to last week. What do you think has led to so much success against the Nats in particular this season? Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you, God, for keeping me healthy during the game. I mean... When the here are so aggressive, you know, I mean, you got to take advantage, you know, I mean, I, I saw like a couple early swing. I mean, I don't know if you guys can see the homer that I get tonight, but after that, you know, I tried to, to locate my two seam, you know, try to throw my, my best slider tonight, you know, and try to strike him out, people. A lot of your strikeouts came in the fourth inning on, you strike out the side in the eighth. What do you feel got stronger for you on the mound as the game progressed? 
You know, after that fourth inning, you know, I just want to finish the game. I mean, I mean, that's my mentality all the time, you know what I mean? Because I want to have back-to-back complete game. <laughs> I mean, Donnie take me out of the game, you know, I got to repeat that, you know, they made the decision, I'm here to work. <laughs> and what was that conversation like after the eighth inning? You were at 99 pitches, what were they saying to you and just how that unfolded? It's always hard, it's always hard, you know, because I mean, I don't want to leave the game. It doesn't matter how many in I throw, you know, they know that, that I want to finish all the game. 99 pitches, that's nothing for me. You know, I think um, I've been doing a pretty good job, you know, trying to prepare myself to go outside, you know, and give my heart for, for my team. Were you able to hear that crowd, the group, the Sandy's Beach section as the game was going on? I hear everything. You know, I hear my, my teammate, coach, you know, fan, everything. You know what I mean? But, I mean, I don't have to pay attention too much, you know, because I don't want to get, you know, out of the focus. You know, but I feel so great for tonight. You mentioned the home run you gave up, and then I think in the six against Joey, you had the fastest slider you've ever thrown. Uh, just is that one of those things you want to get payback when a guy you know takes you deep like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, he was aggressive tonight against me. You know, what I mean, I'm, I'm trying to to go attack with the first pitch for try. You know, and you guys can see he swing early. I mean, but after that, you know, I'm trying to to strike him out. You know, because I wanna I wanna be tied one on one. Say it seemed like your velo was up when there was a slider, your fastball. It was, I think, 100, almost 101 in those later innings. Just, is this maybe best you felt in a few games, or is it still about the same for you? I always feel the same. You know, I mean, I, I know how to use my velo, how to use my breaking ball, you know, and you guys can see, you know, I, I can't start the game throw 97, 98, but in the ninth inning, I got all my power throwing 100 and 101. Sandy, with all the success that you've had this year, is there an area of your game that you're most proud of? that you've done to this point? Man, yeah, a lot of things happened. You know, I think uh, the best part, I think, um, I mean, I don't know, I mean, when you're healthy, you can go outside, you know, and fight for your team, you know, but I mean, but I, the most part that I, that I love is finish the game, finish, throw nine inning, you know, see my teammate, you know, try give me a hug and all the stuff, you know what I mean? I feel happy when I do that. <clears throat> All right, that was Marlins starting pitcher Sandy Alcantara after the Marlins 4-1 victory and series-clinching victory over the Washington Nationals last night. Game three of this series comes your way at 1.40 this afternoon when Anibal Sanchez, the former Marlin, goes opposite of the young, hard-throwing right-hander Edward Cabrera. We'll hit the air at 110 with Marlins on deck. And as always, we hope you find some time to join us on the Marlins Radio Network, driven by AutoNation. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.